This is Dagon123, and welcome, welcome to, to the all-new TenchiCast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next exciting episode of TenchiCast, presented by TenchiForum.com. TenchiCast is finally going back to the beginning, the origin of everything in Tenchi Muyo, and that is the six-episode OVA, Tenchi Muyo Ryooki, OVA 1. With me today, I've got some old and new faces to TenchiCast. Aria. Hello. Pi. I'd rather die than forsake any one of them. Doctor. Hey there, demons. It's me, your boy. And Snowy. Hello, hello. Yes, hello. So, let's get right down to it. Is OVA1 how you got into Tenchi Muyo? If so, what was it like watching Tenchi for the first time? And if this wasn't the thing that got you into Tenchi Muyo, what was it like going back to the very beginning? Definitely my first time. I was around way back when it used to air on Toonami, and it was right along that whole lineup of shows that I couldn't wait to get home and watch. It was a bit weird for me initially, and I was forever facepalming at Tenchi himself as a kid, but I always had fun watching. The funny thing is, Tenchi was my first franchise that I got into in terms of anime, but it wasn't my first anime that I saw. GXP was actually my first, and how I stuck around after that I have no clue. I guess it was the lore that interested me, and I wanted to like go back and see where where it all started, where it all came from. And so I remember five years ago watching OVA1 for the first time, and it just blew my mind. It was this colorful cast of characters with all these different personalities, this interesting world that was being built, the enriching lore, the art, the music. It was all becoming iconic to me. And... Going back to it, it's just spectacular. It's like going back to an old childhood friend that you grew up with, in a way. So I actually started with the manga, which is in the same vein as OVA. And then, actually, I read, like, maybe the first manga, and I was kind of confused of what was going on. So I went online and searched Tenchi Muyo, and behold, I found the first OVA. And I started, actually, with episodes five and six, just because like the thumbnails look really intriguing and I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch this out of order, but it's fine. I just kind of want to see if it will be interesting or not. And my mind was blown. Like, oh my goodness. I wasn't really used to anime like that. I was more like into Sailor Moon and Magical Girls and all, but wow, that really shook me up. I glued myself to the computer screen and it was closing like in five minutes, the library was, and I was just so intrigued by what was going on even though i had no idea what was going on yet again but had to pause it like right in the middle of everything and i was just so like intensified about finding out what happened next that i rushed to the library the very first thing the next morning and just watched all of them oh my gosh i can't believe what i just watched especially reading like maybe the first manga and then sasami stories i was used to like sasami and all but something about ryoko just really hit me and I was just, oh my gosh, who is this girl? I need to know everything about her right now. She became like my instant favorite character. 
over everybody else just by her first appearance. I could not believe a character like that because, like I said, used to Sailor Moon, you know, all the characters in there are great also, but something about Ryoko really struck a nerve in me and I had to know everything. And just all the lore of Ova One and everything about it was a great experience first time around. And I actually showed someone new to OVA One not that long ago and revisiting it again was just wow I feel like a kid again watching this for the first time and seeing someone else's reaction who wasn't really into anime until recently and seeing them watch it well for the most part but (laughs) it was it was quite fun to revisit that again I got into Tenshi Moyo back in 1996 when I saw Tenshi Moyo in Love, the first film, on the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, I saw it on the Saturday anime block after a military drill competition that I had gone to. Came back, saw myself some Tenshi, and completely out of context, didn't know who these characters were, but it was a nice time travel story like Back to the Future. Caught my attention immediately. They had these light swords and all these uh, super technology and magical stuff, and I was like, Okay, I'm interested. Then I go to Blockbuster, pick up the first two volumes of the TV series on VHS, and I get into that. So I actually I got into Tenchi Universe first via the movie, and then I slowly began collecting the VHS tapes of the TV series. So I saw Tenchi Universe through completion first and pieced it together and got it solid in my mind. Now, throughout that time, in the late 90s, I actually had heard very much through IAKA Fan Club, Tenchi Fan Fiction Archive, the old IRC channel, which is well now defunct, ICQ, AIM, all these different old services. I had heard from other fans and other people that I got got in touch with that the Tenchi Universe was not the first one. And occasionally in the mail order guides I had back in the day, because mail order guides used to be a thing before the internet, I would see listed Tenshi Muyo VHS tapes that had like two episodes per instead of like the three or four you would have for the TV series. Yes, that's how they used to promote uh, anime back in the day was you have to spend like 30 bucks on two episodes. Ugh, how times have changed. But I'd see these extra VHS tapes and it's like, wait a minute, the story of Tenshi Universe in the first movie tie together really well. Where does this go? And eventually I did get myself some dosh and i actually did pay to have the vhs tapes mailed in too and i started watching the ova series slowly but surely and i realized oh wait this is a different version of the same story specifically restricting attention to ova1 for the moment i actually this is a little bit of time thing backwards too ova1 came out in between the 1992 and the beginning of 1993 tension universe of course was released through april to i think september of 1995 so Chronologically, the first OVA came first, and the universe came second. And if you watch the first OVA from Ryoka's resurrection to Kagato's defeat, and then you watch the entirety of Tenchi Universe from Ryoko crashing on Earth to Kagato's defeat, oddly enough, they're basically the same story. There's, of course, changes here and there. A lot of character motivations change, some character backgrounds change, but the broad strokes are very similar. Going back and watching the first OVA, having seen Tenshi Universe, it was interesting. It was much more compressed. It was much more to the point. There's not a lot of extraneous characters. There's not a lot of buildup. They really get to the point very fast. I have to say the art in the first OVA, while you can sometimes see some pencil lines here and there, it's actually very gorgeous. It was a hallmark of the 90s OVAs. Their beautiful art was essentially second to movie quality, which means I'm very spoiled. I started with a movie and then worked my way backwards. It was very interesting 
having seen this alternate telling of a story I already knew, the broad strokes of how Ryoko's character was different, how her origins were different, her connections to Washu, her connections to Kagato, as opposed to the universe where the connections to Kagato are with Ayaka's family, with the Jiraiyan rural family. It was very eye-opening, and comparing and contrasting those two different universes, those two different incarnations of that story, has been a fascination of mine. It's probably why I've stuck with this, well, one of the reasons I've stuck with this series for so long. I've told this story a couple of different times, but I think it always bears repeating. July 3rd, 2000, Tenchi Muyo first aired on Toonami, and introduced an entire generation of people to... This young kid from Okayama Prefecture. Suffices to say that if it didn't happen, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. It very much changed my life as soon as I watched it. And that sounds kind of cheesy when you you know, you know think about a TV show doing that, but or I guess technic technically not a TV show, an OVA, that was played on TV. But there was just something about it that completely, as I'm sure it does with everybody, it grabs you. It grabs you and doesn't let go and i remember a couple days before i want to say it was the thursday or friday before because i'm pretty sure july 3rd was on a monday or tuesday i remember i was watching uh, i had dbz going because i recorded it every day and the trailer that two minute long promo narrated by peter cullen popped up and i remember just not finishing dbz that day i watched the trailer for tenshi muyo like four or five different times I just couldn't get enough of it. And then finally, coming home, watching it, and just being like, okay, this is my show. Much like Arya said, I watched a lot of things before Tenchi Muyo. Tenchi Muyo was like my first show that really spoke to me. It was something that got its hooks in deep and is still there to this day. You know, going back to it, still watching it, I, it's hard to put into words what it was like, putting into words what Tenchi does to you the first time that you watch it. Having said that, what were some of your favorite moments? What were some of your least favorite moments? Honestly, a lot of my favorite moments had to do with Washu, which probably doesn't come as a surprise to anyone who knows me, even a little. She's really cool, very intelligent, of course, and very much a troll. So she's fun to watch. As far as least favorite moments, almost anything to do with Aika. While she does grow on most people later on, I feel like her initial outing during OVA1 did her zero favors with the way that her attitude came across. I will say one thing that grabbed me initially was the opening theme. To this day, it's still playing in my head. Even if I'll like not be watching Tenchi for a while or whatever, somehow that theme will always come back like ringing in my head because it's so catchy and the visuals of that opening, too, are fantastic. So I look forward, every time I watch OVA1, I look forward to watching that. I will say something that, it's more of a general thing that was my favorite, was seeing how all these characters just met each other and developed their relationships, which we would come to know today as being like the breathing heart of this series. I don't know, something about it, just like you go back to the beginning and you smile when you see like, oh, Ryoko and Tenchi meeting for the first time, or Sasami and Tenchi meeting, and Sasami playing a little game with him, and of course, you know, Aika and Mihoshi, and even Washu at the end, it's all just, it, it just makes me smile. As for least favorite parts, I would say the action, it was good for its time, I think. I'm probably spoiled when saying this, but uh, a lot of it is kind of stiff at times 
And it definitely gets better as time goes on, but I don't know. Something about it, like, just kind of like, hmm, they could have done that a little bit differently, but it's just kind of a nitpick. Aika, like Arya said, Aika took time to grow on me because she was kind of a little bit grating at first in how she just was completely dismissive of Tenchi and of almost everyone, and it just kind of, it was a grind at first, but as time went on, like, near the end of episode three, I was, like, on board with her as a character, and I really liked her. Maybe my favorite moments, well, one of my favorite moments was in the very first episode, Ryoko Resurrected. Basically, the whole second half is my favorite. When you first get introduced to Ryoko, she's on the roof with Tenchi, and she first grabs a little bell that was off this cat that's disappeared, and then she goes, Ryoko, that's my name. And then her eyes glow like demonically green, the same way they did in the cave, and then Tenchi realizes, oh, she's the demon in the cave. That right there really hooked me in. I like got glued to the screen. I'm like, oh my god. And then she goes and just attacks him right off the bat. Doesn't even give him a chance. He's just running around like a helpless fool. And she just seems so intimidating. Like, oh my gosh, she's gonna kill. What is he gonna do? And then as you continue along with that fight, you kind of see that she's not so intimidating after all. I mean, she is, of course, because she's flying like lasers at you and swords at you. But then. She kind of has like this childish vain vanity about her. He's like, oh, the gas is going to leak. The gas is leaking. And she's like, oh, what is gas? And then he does the oldest trick in the book. And like, she's older than the oldest trick in the book. Like, oh, what's that over there? And she falls for it. Like, oh, I don't see anything. <laughs> that whole thing was like really cute. And it really attracted me to her. And then the whole like she's chasing after him. And then she runs past the mirror. And she's like, oh my gosh, I look horrible. And the first thing she does instead of focusing on him is like fixing her hair and her outfit. And he's like, oh my God, like really? (laughs) That whole comedy thing was really cute and it really wanted me to watch more. Yeah, the second episode where you first get introduced to Aika and Sasami. Like when I first uh, watched those episodes, I I really didn't like Aika one bit. Like I thought she was just way too bitchy for her own good. I'm just going to be blunt about it just because I love her now. Like I love her to bits. But when I first saw her, I was just like, oh my gosh, this girl really needs. I mean, I understand where she's coming from, like totally with the whole she finds someone who has a link to her missing brother who she thinks is still alive. And then everyone's kind of telling her that, oh, he's not anymore. And I could understand why she's lashing out at him. So in that case, like watching it before, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't like her to now to understanding what she's going through. Like I like her so much more. And then the whole thing about Ryoko crashing the both the ships into the bridge and just the way that whole thing was really funny as well. Actually, this is more like least favorite moment, but the Onsen episode, episode four, I didn't really like that episode just because that's kind of, you know. That thing's kind of uncomfortable to me, the whole fan service thing. But when Ryoko summons that demon and can't control it and just causing all this chaos, and then Ryoko and Aika are running down a hall, and then Ryoko's just like, go to the right, and Aika goes to the right, and then she's led to a dead end. So you led me to a dead end. It's like, oh, I didn't know what I was thinking. And then have that uh, next episode where Kagato appears, and then everything changes between the two because Aika's having to decide, well, is she really going to save someone who causes all this trouble and who she hates? Having to see Tenchi die right in front of her, quote unquote, she thinks he died. And then Ryoka comes back and then they have to decide, well, what are they going to do now? It's like the thing that tore apart kind of brought them together. Like Tenchi's gone now. That's the thing that brought them apart. So now they're being brought together into the same goal, which is a 
defeat Kagato. And I like really seeing the dynamic between those two and really seeing them change even within the course of just like five, six episodes and see the development between them. And I would say those are my favorite moments. And then my least favorite moments are, yeah, I'll go back to it, the fan service stuff. Some of the jokes are really kind of unsettling, especially with Nobuyuki and all that. I, I could live without those. I mean, I understand what kind of show this is. This is a harem show, essentially. So my favorite moments and my least favorite moments. OVA1 has a lot of good favorite moments for me. It's First off, of course, the art is gorgeous throughout the entire show. So, I mean, there's nothing that doesn't look nice in this show, to be blunt. But some of my favorite scenes in this particular series is the first episode. The first episode as a whole, I was actually discussing this with a couple folks the other day. The first episode is reeking with atmosphere. It is shot in many ways like a horror film. You have like flickering shadows. You have very dark lighting, very tense moments. Very t- often they actually have no music and just the ambient noise and just the uh, audio of the voice actor, Masami Kikuchi or Matt Miller, depending upon your choice of the language. And it's eerie. It's very eerie. If you take out some of the comedic elements from the episode, it basically could be an episode of like The Ring and having Sadako chase Tenshi down corridors. It's creepy in some ways. And I I love that it mixes horror elements and comedic elements, much like the, the original Ghostbusters film from the 80s did, did something similar. Other favorite moment would be episode three. Episode three has a lot of good stuff in it. It has all the flashbacks to the destruction of Jirai, seeing Ryoko in shadow just cackling on the castle walls as Jirai burns around her. It's just an imposing image. It's just great imagery for that particular thing. The cabin scene between Ayaka and Tenshi where she slowly starts to open up to him and reveal what's going on in her head. It's really interesting to see that character blossom like that and actually kind of uh, come to terms with her situation. Essentially, it breaks through her character, allows her to interact with someone else, allows her to speak, and let someone else carry that burden for her. Uh, You're going to carry that weight, Space Cowboy. Of course, another thing from episode three is the stairs. There's this delicious scene where uh, after causing Ayaka to storm out, Ryoko is teasing Tenshi, and then she kind of mockingly falls backward and ends up falling into Yosho's arms, who gropes her breasts. Furious, as you would, uh, she turns to punch him, and he catches her punch with one hand. And wait a minute. Throughout the last two episodes, you've seen Ryoko blasting through walls, punching through things, and so on, and this old man catches her punch? Wait, what? So she thinks about it for a while in the background while some other comedy's going on. And then suddenly, without warning, you hear this crash. Camera pans back. There's Ryoko, who's just punched the stairs, which this is also a callback that comes back in Aitenshi as well, uh, to mention that that particular scene becomes iconic enough that it gets homaged in later works. And of course, I can't not say I love the fights. All the battles that happen in Episode 5 and Episode 6 are some of the best animated stuff I've seen throughout the 90s OVA era. That wasn't like movie quality. I love the fight between Kagato and Yosho. I, the fight between Ryoko and Kagato is not as intense because it keeps cutting to Washu and Mahoshi. But otherwise, it's great action. I love this stuff. For 
least favorite moments. I do have a couple. I have some quibbles with the necessity of the incest storyline with Ayaka and Yosho. I see it seems superfluous considering some of the other drama that's gone on, and hell, some of it actually gets dropped, gets dropped and not even mentioned again later. Episode four has a lot of silliness and an onsen, which not my taste, but I mean it's there for what it is. It does have some some comedic moments, but I'm not I could I could live without it. Episode six does start to suffer a bit. I mentioned this earlier that it has a lot of fast exposition for a lot of ideas. You have like Tsunami show up, you have Washu show up, the Lighthawk wings become a much more of a poignant issue. A lot of stuff just gets crammed in at the last minute, which is unfortunate. You'd think that there'd be a good time to let some of those more abstract and esoteric ideas breathe, but it is what it is. It also does slow the pace up. After the fight with Kagato and Yosho in the previous episode, which was very visceral, very kinetic, very moving around, frantic, very, very well choreographed. And then you have this fight with Kagato and and Ryoko, who have all these superpowers, but they're basically just flying at each other and slashing occasionally. And then it keeps cutting back to Mahoshi and Washu talking about how to get out and how to cheerlead for the for their t- their side. It seems kind kind of like a little bit of a slower, uh, much slower pace for whatever reason. It's not as kinetic as the previous episode was, but. Again, I can't quibble too much. Again, this is a very well put together OVA and a very well scripted story. So, I mean, this OVA is very, very nice. I'd recommend it to anybody. That first episode, I feel like it's somewhat of a cop out saying that the entire first episode is a favorite moment because it endears you to Ryoko and Tenshi in a way that I don't think any other anime has ever done. Patria playing Ryoko. I'm sure, I'm sure Iori Kasa as well, but, you know, for people who are in it for the English dub, Patria's range of acting is so great in that episode. She has, like, the bubbliness, she that laugh that she does when she's throwing the beam at Tenchi. That is one of the most genuine-sounding laughs I've ever heard. It doesn't sound fake in the least. It doesn't sound like acting. It feels very real. But there's one moment where, you know, it's right after the gas explosion thing, and Ryoko goes, hey, that's no way to treat a lady. It's hilarious, but her change from, like, bubbly-sounding voice or, like, slightly sultry to this, like, gravelly, angry, real voice. You know, it's not like she's putting on a voice to be a character. You feel as though Patria and Ryoko are one person. They're one being. That moment really cinches it for me. This character is real. They're not an actor playing a character. This character is someone that you could meet in real life. Episode 3, where Aika and Tenchi have their moments. You know, they're walking around and they're doing that whole thing. Like Pai was saying, you know, that really endeared me to Aika. And seeing her and Tenchi go up to Funaho and just kind of talking about that. It's weird coming from somebody like, I, I, like I said, I love Aika now. I love all the classic girls. At the time, even being hardcore in Ryoko, I appreciated the fact that they had that, Aika and Tenchi had that moment. You know, like sometimes in shows you feel like it's very one-sided, but they keep you guessing. Tenchi obviously just got attacked by this demon that he's been told his entire life up to this point is going to kill him. But obviously she's Ryoko, she's over the top, she's a charismatic enigma. And then Aika comes along, and I mean, obviously, she's a space princess, and she's prim and proper, but she's got an attitude. You get endeared to her through that episode. 
And that's one of the things that I think OVA1 did better almost than any of the rest. Almost than any of the rest was it really knew how to sell a character to you. Or one of my big third moments was the moment where Kagato sits down and he does Kagato's or organ recital, that theme. And it just it keeps panning out. And you're like, oh, I wonder how big his organ is. And his organ is like... It might be the biggest organ in all of anime. Like, I don't know of another organ that is like the size of a gigantic spaceship. It's huge. Ryoko and Aika are, you know, fighting all of the stuff that's going on in the Soja. And all of this chaos is happening. And then you have literally the boss music playing. And it's a super cool organ theme. It couldn't have been better in that respect. As far as least favorite moments... I know why they did it, but there's that moment when Aika finds out from Yosho that he's old, and she's like, oh, I'm your brother, and she immediately ditches him for Tenchi, and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, she just spent the last, like, 400 years, 700 years in stasis going after him, like, she, he was her whole world for the entirety of her life, and all it takes for her to go to Tenchi is, oh, you're old? Like, that's it? That's all, that's it? That's all it took? I was like, okay. Like, that kind of trivializes it a little bit, but at the same time, I mean, at least it's not, you, you lose the incest angle, so I guess that's kind of, a, that's a plus. And then the last episode, episode six, is such a roller coaster of quality for me because it, at its high points, it's one of the best episodes in the series. At its low points, we start to see some of the machinations of Tenchi Muyo that start to show up later on that aren't super positive and are super convoluted and what are all these things that they're talking about and Lighthawk Wings and this, that, and the other. And this is supposed to technically be the end of the first OVA. I mean, obviously, North American fans, English fans, tend to lump OVA 1 and 2 together, but looking at them separately... You have all these plot points that you are not entirely sure they're going to ever resolve. Obviously, they were at by that point they were making it was Tenchi was popular, it was selling really well. But from purely a directing standpoint, I don't think that was the best way to go. Also, uh, looking at the staff credits, I'm gonna call them out because it should be known. Kadoshima had a big hand in that. He had a much bigger influence over that episode so it's like oh, okay that's where all these plot points all these specific things pop up but other than that i mean ova1 in my mind is basically flawless even comparing it to other ova it stands on top of mount olympus now as we've all gone through and said what we liked disliked how we got into it how we found ova1 as of this year ova1 is 25 years old turning 26 a lot of anime has come out in 25 years does Tenchi Muyo OVA1 hold up today and that's dub or sub yeah I feel like it holds up pretty well if anything I kind of feel like there are other anime and shows and such that could stand to learn a lesson or two from how some of the things were executed in this series so the dub when I first watched it I was completely like sold on it i was like oh this this is great the voice acting is great it's terrific like 10 out of 10 perfect going back to watch it obviously because you know of how much how many 
how much dub has improved over time. You can get very nitpicky and find the flaws in, you know, the first couple of episodes in terms of the dub. But to me, it's one of those things where it's like they take a bit of time to get situated into their specific roles. It's like Neon Genesis Evangelion. The dub cast for that is excellent, but they do take a good amount of episodes to really get situated into it. And by the end, they're perfect. They're fantastic. So it's one of those nitpicky things that you just like, you know, you get spoiled on the good stuff and then you go back and you watch what you started with. And then you're like, oh, it's not perfect, but it's still good, obviously. Now, as a story, as as a series in general, if you want to sell Tenchi as a franchise to one of your friends or just someone you just met or whatever, you'd be like, hey, watch OVA 1. You will be able to tell whether or not you want to watch more. It's short. It's sweet. It's to the point. It's very concise. It hits all the right notes it needs to. It sinks its toes into the lore, and it gets a little it gets a little heavy near the end, obviously, in episode 6. But by then, you've just watched like a nice, short, six-episode complete story. And you look back on that, and you're like, wow, this is the beginning of something greater. Even though no real plot forms until like episodes four to five with, you know, Kagato, it reminds me of Tenchi Universe in a way where it's like the first half is more episodic, and the second half is when the story really kicks in. And I kind of like that. I really do like that a lot. As a series, OVA1 is fantastic. It still holds up today, in my opinion. Over one is like a good way to like introduce somebody new into the Tenchi verse just to see if they like it or not, they're more interested or not. I agree with that a lot that it really stands up today just because it's. I, I see a lot of new anime and a lot of new anime really like takes note of it. Like that started harem stuff, basically. People call it the king of harem just because it, it really started making it popular like over here, I believe. Especially like the dub, yeah, it could be considered a little dated just because now you just kind of have the same like 12 people voicing anime characters. So they all kind of sound in a similar vein now. Whereas like in 90s animes, yeah, they sound all sound completely different because they're taking people that have never even done voice acting before. And then they'll just have like maybe just do that one role and then that's it. It takes a minute to get used to like some dubs from like the 90s because some of them are a little more unique i would say but i definitely think it holds up they're called classics for me i would show this to somebody who's definitely interested like in sci-fi or just interested in a good character all in all like if once you get to episode five and six you forget all that so i definitely think it stands up i think ova1 holds up very well on many levels first off i am actually holding in my hot little hand the blu-ray thing that's been put out by funimation and the restoration that went into this Blu-ray set and the quality of the animation, seeing all these scanned cells up in 1080p is gorgeous. The, the artistry of the anime as well as just the, the art in general are well done. It's well animated. It's got a good frame rate. It looks pretty, especially in 1080p. I would recommend that if anyone wants to see this show, definitely see it on the Blu-ray. Similarly, the music and the audio has been remixed and re remastered as well. And it's in it's the Japanese track in particular is in 5.1. And that's actually rather nice to hear at least once in a 5.1 system and see how they've remixed everything. Sadly, they did not give the uh, English dub the same treatment. Now, as far as the actual dialogue, 
the dialogue is great. I love Ayarkas as I, uh, Ryoko. I love Yumi Takata as Ayaka. Sami Kikuchi as Tenchi. Chisi Yokiyama as uh, Sasami. A lot of these voice actors actually went on to do other things and other anime around the same time. I know about half of this cast and a good chunk of the cast from Tenchi Universe also starred in Techman Blade, as well as other anime of the time. So the voice cast is very seasoned. They are veterans. They know they know their job. They do their job very well. Same thing with the English voice cast. Most of them kind of this is one of one of the anime that they're well known for. But they've done other things as well. And I have to say, some of the improv stuff that Matt Miller does in, for Tenshi Misaki, specifically the stuff in the first episode, because if you compare the first episode in English to Japanese, Matt Miller actually has more lines in there than Masami Kikuchi does. A lot of the stuff where he's saying like, I'm gonna go back to the grandpa, give him those keys, and I'm gonna do as many chores as he wants. That line's not in the Japanese. That's Matt Miller right there. That's that's, that's him. There is no Japanese equivalent to that. I would highly recommend that you watch both versions of this show because there are things that the Japanese does that the English doesn't, and there's things that the English does that the Japanese doesn't. In particular, one thing that the Japanese does that the English doesn't, there is a glitch in one of the translations. In episode 5, you see a gray-haired woman standing with a parasol, and a child Tenchi runs up to her, calling to her, and is like, uh, you know, I missed you and whatnot. Then a scene later, he's crying at Ryoko's cave and with her parasol that she has died. Now, in the English dub, young Tenchi says, grandmother, which, admittedly, looking at, looking at the woman from afar and seeing gray hair, one could easily assume, yeah, it's an older woman with gray hair. Uh, okay, fine. Uh, she's dressed more traditionally. But if you switch over to the Japanese track, no, she says, okasan. So, no, this is, her, this is his mother. Again, the silvery gray hair has other meanings that we get that you learn about later but that's actually a slight discrepancy between the two of them it was because of the time when it was produced so are there errors are there flubs yes but no this particular thing has personality it has things about it that make it unique that make it different the voice cast really brings different different characters to each person as snow said a moment ago many of these people are very individual and very unique they're not the same five dub actors you've heard in everything you've ever heard it's not uh, matt mercer it's not uh johnny young bosch playing the protagonist in every fucking game in every fucking show no, it, these characters are unique. These are voices that you, you, when you hear them, they're distinct. You know that voice. When I was playing Final Fantasy X, I heard a minor character, and I was like, wait a minute, is that, holy shite, that's Tenchi. And I turns, turns out, I looked it up, yes, that was Matt Miller who played that particular minor character in Final Fantasy X. You can pick him out of a crowd. For main characters, you want that. You want to have those characters be memorable. I know who you are. You, I know you. Now, as far as the plot is concerned, I think the plot holds up fine. It's a th basically think of it as a long three-hour movie, kind of like we've talked about. Uh, I Tenshi Muyo watching it in one big marathon. It's basically a three-hour movie, and considering how long movies are getting these days, uh, three hours is not a not unusual for a long film anymore. But it tells a nice, complete story on its own. Now, does it make allusions and have a big expo dump of stuff at the end? Certainly, it does. It alludes to bigger and better things. 
but you can stop at Kagato. It has a t- nice, it has a nice story arc. Ryoko is re- is resurrected. All this stuff comes upon comes upon it, and then Tenchi at the end says, "I have to take responsibility for it. I have to face him." And it all comes to a close when ta- when Kagato is defeated. It has a nice story, nice story arc of rising action and falling action of a traditional short story format. It's very good in that regard. Now, I will say that even though it is a nice contained story, it is well told, uh, it does suffer from a lot of compression in the very end, but it does also suffer compression overall. Again, I came into this having watched Tenshi Universe first, and then I've watched the OVA second. And again, Tenshi Universe is basically a retelling of the first OVA. Tenshi Universe, for those who don't know, is a 26-episode TV series. It is about four times the length and you have enough enough space and enough uh, episodes for all the characters to get mini story arcs, to have little side stories, to have people vilify this word, but filler stories, where you have some relaxation from the action. You're not focused on the main plot of the story. You actually just have character moments or just, just a fun little one-off thing where the characters do something fun for a day, like Goku and uh, Piccolo go, going to go learn drive cars. You want to go drive cars? Hell yeah. So it's the same kind of thing. You have an episode in Tenshi Universe where Washu builds a robot duplicate of herself, hijinks ensue. Since Tenshi uh, OVA 1 is so compressed down to six episodes, you don't have time for that. You've got to get the story done. You've got to get move forward. you got to move forward. It's very efficient that way, but it does suffer that these characters don't get as much time to breathe. So it's... Sadly, a mixed bag. You have great art, you have great music, you have great voice acting on both sides, but it suffers from its time because of some of the tra- some of the flubs in the script, or also it benefits from the fact that the voice actors get a little chance to ad lib a bit. But it also has a nice condensed story, but sometimes that story can be too condensed. I have a couple of personal anecdotes, and one of them is I started watching and finished watching Megalobox, which is a reimagining of the 1968 manga Ashita no Jo. And obviously the anime that came out in 70, but it's the 50th anniversary of Ashita no Jo. And looking at the original and looking at Megalobox, it's hard to go back to those older ones once you have something that's new and fresh looking. But... On the same token, one of my favorite shows, one of my favorite American cartoons, is Tom and Jerry. The first episode of Tom and Jerry, technically the pilot episode, but still the first episode, aired in 1939. The world was in the midst of World War II when the first episode of Tom and Jerry came out, and nobody, most people can't guess that, because of how high the budget was, how good it looked, and how much passion went into each one of those episodes. So when I took that into consideration, looking at Tenchi, I thought, yeah, Tenchi OVA1 holds up, absolutely. Because sure, it's 25 years old, but compare it to other OVAs of the time, it's like I said earlier, it's, it's phenomenal looking. And with the remastered Blu-ray, you're seeing it basically how the artists originally saw it. You're seeing very much the original version of Tenchi Muyo. And it looks phenomenal. And the animation still holds up. You know, is it as well done as a movie budget? No. But even comparing it to anime nowadays, it still holds up. Because there's much more animation. Because there's much more detail. 
as far as the dub goes, you know, it's funny everybody was talking a little bit about how, you know, it started off kind of stilted and then really came into its own. I don't know if any of our listeners or, you know, I'm sure maybe a couple of you in here have heard this, but the very first episode of Tenshi Muyo was actually dubbed more like a traditional American cartoon where Matt and Patria and Jay Hopper were all in the same room together. Having that in mind, they did a phenomenal job considering that they didn't have, you didn't have as much flexibility with post-production. You had to get it right the first or second time just because of the, the, the gravity of how many retakes you'd have to take and everyone would have to take a retake because everyone would have to do their lines again. It's phenomenal that it came out as good as it did. And then obviously from the second episode on, they dubbed it in the more traditional anime way, one person in a booth. I have to think back, and Snowy brought this up actually, there was an article that Anime News Network ran at some point, and it was called, it was a list, basically, and it said the seven best gateway anime for people who aren't anime fans. And of course, I'm sure everybody was like, oh, you know, Cowboy Bebop's probably going to be number one. But no, number one was Tenchi Muyo. Tenchi Muyo was the number one gateway anime. Why is that? Well, uh, here's another reference for everybody. Uh, on Tenchi Form's Discord and across our social media for the 18th anniversary of, Tuna- of it being on Toonami, I reposted that article that a newspaper did the day it aired on Toonami, and it said it's a combination of Sailor Moon, Pokemon, and Dragon Ball Z. Now, granted, those were the most popular at the time, but it was able to take elements from all three of those and turn them into something that could appeal to everyone. And I've said this multiple times. If you can't find something in Tenchi Muyo at all to like, then you don't like very many things because Tenchi Muyo hits everybody. If you like mechs, you've got Ryooki and the spaceships. If you like the shoujo aspect, you've got the more rounded designs. You look at the characters in DBZ, like look at Vegeta's widow's peak it it looks like it's gonna cut somebody even the females like bulma and chi chi are super sharp looking tenchi doesn't have that but on the opposite side of that tenchi has the action fighting with kagato the whole thing where he's training with uh katsuhito and then of course you know ryooki it's very japanese that part's taken from pokemon it takes all of these elements and fuses them into something that i don't think any other anime has ever done so looking back on it you could still show ova1 to and newer or older anime fans and they look at it with an appreciation because it's still good like looking back at old tom and jerry cartoons it's still good is it a little bit is it a product of its time sure everything is a product of its time but some things transcend that and are able to keep going and are able to be able to go back to as a totem and people are able to appreciate them, if not more so now than ever before. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It was a ton of fun. I hope you all enjoy. If you liked all the stuff that we talked about today, make sure you follow us. You can find links in the description for Google Play Music, Stitcher, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, iTunes. Come talk to us on Discord. Links in the description. All things Tenchi. And make sure you check out TenchiForum.com for all the latest things Tenchi. Until next time, stay gold.